by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. My shepherd, and we were, uh, we found out he's a good shepherd. He can be trusted, we know that. But, but the point of last week's message, does anybody remember what that was? We're the sheep, that was part of it, but, but we talked about he's the shepherd, we're the sheep, but we're moving towards being shepherds ourselves. We don't want to just stay the, <laughs> we don't want to be the sheep, we want to be shepherds of, of uh, people, we want to be disciples, and that's what he's training us to be. And that was last week, tonight's message we're going to talk about the I shall not want part. And so, to want is to be uh, to not want is to be content, right? If you don't want anything, then you're what? Content. I looked in the Mer- Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and uh, the word content says, pleased and satisfied, not needing more. Man, how, how many of you would like to be in that state? Man, I am pleased and satisfied, and I don't even need any more. That's that cup running over kind of attitude in it is contentment possible in America today in this society which we live where you know it's about more and more and more and being better and better and better and all these things do we want to be content do we or do we want to want well it really depends on the way you look at it obviously if you're you're you know a couple Sundays ago I preached on passion so we want to have passion, but we just want to have our passion guided in the right direction. We want our passion to be guided towards the things of God, not towards the things of the world, right? <clears throat> so we want to be content here on this earth. We want to be passionate towards the things of God. A long time ago, I told a story, and you might remember it, but I only, I've only lived 50 years, so I don't have a million stories. I just got... 800,000, so I'm going to tell some of them again. But anyway, it was, it was when I was in high school, 13 or 14, and I built my first guitar in shop out of an old desktop. And uh, it played, you know, and it would hook up to an amplifier. It had electronics and everything, but it wouldn't stay in tune. And somebody told me a <coughs> guy down the street had a guitar for sale, and it was a genuine copy of a Fender guitar. So it wasn't a real Fender, but, but it looked just like one. He said, man, it looks just like a Fender. I had to have it. So I, I walked about a half mile to the guy's house, and sure enough, I loved the guitar. It was, it was a Telecaster, like a black one I used to play. And it was a, it was a fake Telecaster, but it, it played pretty good and everything. And so I gave him the 30 bucks he wanted for it, and he threw in this little brown amplifier with it. And I looked at it, and it was old. and didn't look like much. didn't have any, had only one channel, didn't have the rock and roll distortion channel that all the kids were playing with at that time but I said all right well since you threw it in with the deal so here I am toting that big thing home all the way about a half mile back home and I got to looking at it I said this is just a practice amp this thing ain't no good because my arm was hurt <laughs> you know and I was like I gotta, I gotta dump this thing off and I started to throw it in the bushes but I didn't and when I got home you know I plugged it up and sure enough it was just one channel and it had a clean sound and that wasn't what you know Ted Nugent used so I you know I wasn't very excited about it you know 
So, long story short, I kept it and used it like a, you know, put it behind the, the door, a door stop or something for years and years, never really used it. And I went through, in that period of my life, I bet you I've been through 30 or 40 guitar amps because I'm one of those guys, you know, when I started playing guitar, you'd pl I'd hear somebody else play and I'd had to have what they have because I wanted that sound. And I was ever after this elusive sound that I couldn't seem to put my fingertips on it. Well, that was the problem. My fingertips were like, pluck, pluck, pluck. You know, I couldn't play good. I should have spent more time practicing than looking for amps. But anyway, I was always looking, and a lot of guitar players are like this. They're always wanting that special combination, that special guitar that just always sounds good, and this amp that sounds just has that magical sound that comes out of it. And listen, what I have found over the years is, as I got more mature as a player, every amp will sound good in a certain situation, you buy it at their house, and it, you know it's in the right acoustic bedroom. It's going to sound good, but you get it outside somewhere, it may sound terrible. It's every amp is, is just an amp, really. I mean, there's don't get me wrong. There's limits to what I say, but but basically, there is no perfect sound. That, there's no amplifier that's just going to make you sound like a professional. You know, you have to work at that, and so there's no shortcuts there. And uh, well, anyway, I kept this brown amp for a long, long time. And uh, as I matured as a player, as I uh, got Pastor Buddy put me on the praise team and stuff, I, and, my, and I started playing Christian music, and I wasn't playing that hard rock stuff anymore, you know, I began to appreciate the sound that that little brown amp got. Come to find out, that little brown amp was a Fender amp. It was a 1962 Fender amp. And that amp that I was using as a doorstop all those years, all of a sudden, the sounds that began to come out of that thing were like, and I began to realize, man, all this time, right in front of me, I had the amp that, that had that sound or close, closest to I found. And here I didn't even care about it. I was, and uh, I saw that amp upstairs the other day, and you know what I did? I'll tell you later. Hmm? No, but it looks sort of like that. It's about the same as that, a little shorter. But uh, maybe guitar is not your thing, you know. It was mine for a long, long time. And I still go to the pawn shops. I still look at all the guitar magazines. And every, occasionally I still buy something. But I, I pretty much had everything now, <laughs> you know. You, you can get to the point where you've had it all and you know what it all does. And so you can't, And I'm getting older and I care less about playing guitar as much as I used to, you know. So uh, what's your thing? Because... I'm going to say an old cliche, and you're going to say, surely, Pastor, you're not going to talk about this in church. You know, this is what I heard in children's church. But we have this God-shaped hole in our heart, right? We all have this something that we're trying to fill with something. And for me, for a long time, my deal was I wanted that elusive sound I could never find. And I was trying to stuff it in my heart and make it, and, it, and, and I was getting my joy by buying the new guitar or the new amp. Or, and we all have stuff. Some of us have our houses, you know, we remodel all the time, you know, it got perfectly good wood floors but we're going to see what it looks like with tile floors now we put new carpet we do all these things and we're keeping our house and we just want to be in a magazine or something i don't know maybe for some of us our yard you know <laughs> i've seen uh especially a lot of retired couples you know they retire and then all of a sudden their yard becomes everything to them they've got plants and strategic locations and and they mow it and they make sure there's no weeds anywhere and they put I mean they go to they get rocks and stuff and I say all this because I've been through that too 
Most of these things I'm telling you about tonight, I've, I've been through those things. I've, I try to, you know, fill that hole in my heart with those things. Guess what? When you die, three months from then, that grass is going to grow up. And it's going to have weeds in it, and there's going to be no sign that you ever spent your, all your life working on it. And that's the same thing with your house. It's going to be gone, too. You can't take it with you. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm saying, what are we really passionate about? Is the things that we're passionate about eternal? Some people are passionate about their job, climbing the corporate ladder, and they're kicking people to try to get there. What's more important, getting to the top or the people that you work with? It's a different way of seeing things, you know. Some people find their worth in their worth, how much money they got in the bank. They think that makes them important. Uh, some people are just stuff collectors, hoarders. You know, they just, they just get joy out of buying stuff. And I was like that for a long time. I mean, you know, my picture's still up in many pawn shops, you know, as a customer of the month. Because back in the day when pawn shops, you could find good deals there. You can't anymore. But, you know, and I know people that, that buy so much stuff, they just love to hear things hit the basket. They, I mean, you get a temporary, uh, it's, it's a chemical release for some people when they, when they buy something. It's a satisfaction. And I know people has got so much stuff that Walmart, when they're running out, they call them. Because <laughs> they know they got two or three of everything Walmart's got. And they got it in the drawer somewhere, you know. But men collect guns and guitars and women collect purses and shoes and what else? I don't know what y'all collect. But we all, you know... And those kind of things are trying to fill that hole. Now, that's a, that can become sin, too. But really, it gets bad when you're trying to fill a God-shaped hole with sin. Ugh, that just doesn't work at all. You know, you got people that's hooked on drugs or alcohol. And uh, maybe they started because they just wanted to, to numb the way they felt, because they, that they knew that they were dissatisfied, that there was no contentment in their life, and they just wanted to numb themselves down and not feel it. Or maybe they started off just wanting to party, you know, and they just wanted to feel good or something, and, and they got hooked. A lot of times those drugs, you know, they, they, they tell me that like cocaine, that if you do it the first time, I'm not speaking from experience, but, but if you do it the first time, you get this incredible high that you can never get back. And so you, you, you keep laying down the money to get another line of it or whatever. And it never comes, you never get that original high back. But you're hooked, and it's the devil. He's just got getting his hook in you. And see, he's using the vacuum in your heart to entice you to put the wrong thing in it. And we have to be, uh, we, we need to pay attention to the devil's devices. Uh, gambling, people, you know, say, well, baby needs a new pair of shoes. Well, yeah, baby needs a new pair of shoes because you don't spent the shoe money and the food money and the house note and everything trying to ring them slot machines down at the <laughs> casino. You know, and it, it's something in our heart, longing to, to, to see when, it, when you get that bell to ring. You see, there's temporary fixes. There's happiness for moments, but it, it's not really joy, is it? If you can get what I'm trying to say here, and then, you, you know, a lot of sexual sin comes along with trying to fill that God-shaped hole in your heart because that's such a personal issue, and, and it's such a, your heart is such a personal place, and there's fornication going on, and there's, there's men trying to see how many women they can conquer 
you know, so that they can feel good about themselves. And there's women that don't feel good about themselves letting those predators have their way with them because they think that they're showing their worth. And so there's, it goes both ways. And then there's pornography. You know, that can be, a, that can be an addictive drug. And today, uh, almost as many women are being included in uh, the category of addicted to pornography because it's so readily available and it's not even really frowned upon and it's like on your phone if you want it, you know? And it's really, oh my goodness. How can we operate as a church when, you know, a large majority of the church is in bondage to such sick filth? That's exactly what it is. And I know you say, well, I, I have desires too, but we have to channel our desires in a, into godly passions or we'll get caught away in that kind of stuff. And uh, really, you're not going to ever fulfill what God's plan is for your life when you're lost in darkness. Come out from among them. <laughs> you know, be ye holy as I am holy. He's trying to bring you out of that. And we're, and we're stuck. Some of us are, we don't want to. But you know what? Sin isn't happy with just a little bit of you. You know, you look at somebody like Ted Bundy or something, and you say, how did a man get so psycho to kill women, to rape women, to dismember women, to eat women? And that's not unusual anymore for things like, oh, we, don't, we don't even, we don't even, we're not even disgusted when we hear it anymore because it goes on so common. And we think, how do people get to that point? What kind of, what kind of monster? And they look at the parents and says, you raised a monster. Oh, them little kids weren't no monsters. Them little kids, Ted Bundy wanted to grow up and be a fireman or something, just like you did. He had hopes and dreams as a little kid, but he got hooked in somewhere along the line. And you know what? Sin got a hold of it. He, he may have started looking at, you know, regular Playboy magazines or something, and then, and he says it. I saw it special on him. And he says it was pornography that led him to do he got hooked on this, and then it, he had to go deeper. He had to see something he hadn't saw before. Then he began to do things that he had done before. And before you know it, he is somewhere that he never dreamed that he would be. And some of us are saying, well, that terrible man. Oh, it's in all of us. You let sin get its hooks into you and see if it don't drag you down a road you never thought you would go. So none of us, <laughs> we better watch ourselves. Consider yourself lest ye fall it's very, very true. I, it's hard to preach on this stuff, but it's the truth. And so I, I just want you to know, if you're in some kind of sexual sin right now, flee it. Flee immorality. Flee sexual sin like Joseph did. Run as far away as you can get. There's adultery. That's when a man or a woman once thought that their spouse fulfilled every, every need that they had, you know, but now they're finding that same fulfillment in someone else that's not their spouse. Well, word to the wise, your spouse is not supposed to fulfill that hole. Your spouse is not the one that's supposed to, to be your everything. They're not supposed to complete you. They're not your other half. You're two individuals who have your own personal relationship with God, and he's the one that completes you. He must be in the center of your marriage. Then you have divorce. Some people just move from spouse to spouse and, and they're looking for that loving feeling that they had in the beginning. You know, we were so in love. 
And then the feeling left, and so did the, so they left. <laughs> and maybe you've made that mistake. There's forgiveness, and, and, and all there's forgiveness for all this, you understand, but we have to talk about it. Maybe you've made that mistake and you've been forgiven. Good. But now, if if you feel like you want to get married again, get married, but be determined to live according to your vows, which you said for better or for worse, till death do us part. If you'll make a determination in your heart that there's you know, when that we've lost that love and feeling goes away, that you're going to work through it, that you're going to fight to get it back, that you're going to stir up the passion with your spouse, you're going to do date nights, you're going to go to counseling, that, that there's no option to quit. You'll work a lot harder if there's no option to quit on your marriage. And so, if not, you'll just bring that same unsatisfaction into the next relationship and it'll happen all over again. We have to figure out what fills this God-shaped hole. Is contentment possible at all? My answer to that would be I put yes but I don't know. Not, I don't think so on this side. But I think there's a lot more contentment here than most of us enjoy. Clearly, the world can never satisfy us. And to all the stuff collectors, the people who just buy stuff and, you know, we're always chasing that new car smell, so to speak. It says in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I think in that context, the money just means the world system, the way the world does business the things that the world care about, you know, the things that, that attract, you know, the marketers. <laughs> they understand the things that push our buttons. And that world system, if you go on down to verse 33, what does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things that you need will be added unto you. See, God tells us how to do it. Don't seek the stuff. There's another scripture that says that the blessings shall overtake thee. Well, how are the blessings going to overtake thee if you're chasing the blessings? Overtake means come from behind. As you pursue God, the blessings overtake you. And you seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all, everything you need will be added unto you. I've got uh, shirts in my closet. I have no idea where they came from. I think they spawn in my closet. There's been times I've given 20 or 30 shirts away, bags of clothes. My closet's rose clothes. And I give away clothes, and I say, all right, I only got 10 shirts, and I'll come back a couple weeks later, and it'll be like 25 shirts, and I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> it might be, but I don't think so. I don't know where they come from. People give me stuff, and, and uh, I have learned this, to be patient with God. Just tell God what you want, and then give him time. Just give him some time. See, the, the problem is, is I'm always impatient, and I want what I want, and I want it now. And then we pull out the plastic when we feel like that, don't we? We get ourselves in trouble. But if you'll say, God, this is what I really need. I need a lawnmower. My yard needs cutting, you know. And you're patient for a little while. This just happened to me. Then I, I, I found a lawnmower for less than half the price that I was going to pay for one that wasn't even as good. But God brings the deals to me. But I, I have to be patient. I have to trust him. But I can, all i got to do is mention something that I want now. And God, like I can tell God, I need some black socks, God. And my mama will come over with two packages of black socks. Here, I found these on sale. I'm like, how'd you know? God told her, I guess. 
But that's, I mean, whatever I need, it shows up. And I'm not just saying that. It's, it's true. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 8 says, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True godliness. That means you are seeking first after his righteousness. You're doing the things that please him. You're living according to his will. You're dying to yourself and you're taking up your cross. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. It is. Because you have that peace, you see. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. We can take nothing with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. A lot of that dissatisfaction in your heart is because the more you want, the more you want. Right? And that's the way I was at with guitars when I turned around and, and I had a, a guitar amp in every room and guitars hanging on every wall. And it's like, really? I can only play one at a time, you know? So I know what I'm talking about. And then for those of us who run to sin, still looking to get that original high, so to speak, Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. and Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You see, these, th this hole can turn into a craving for the things of this world. And, uh, and often, it'll turn into sin. Many in fact, if you let your flesh rule, it will turn into sin. If you let your flesh have its way, you'll find yourself discontent and craving sinful things. So that's why we got to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide our lives. We got to work at this it's it's a struggle to get up in the morning and give god glory and and think of him throughout the day and keep that line of communication pray without ceasing you know and and to to know him and to seek after him but he says if you'll seek after me with your whole heart you'll find me i know it's so worth it when you find him galatians 5 uh i just said that one so uh i believe that contentment Maybe not fully content, but some contentment can be found if we just stop choosing door number two. You know what I mean? God said you can't love both God and money, and we're choosing money, door number two. You can't follow the Holy Spirit and fulfill your sinful desires, we're choosing door number two. Stop choosing door number two and start choosing door number one. Understand where the only real fulfillment you'll ever get comes from. It's in following the Lord. In fact, in our text, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. And it's because of that I shall not want. Not because Walmart stays open 24 hours, I shall not want. It's because the Lord is my shepherd. Man, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. You see? You see how it works? It's in him. The rest of the whole psalm details everything that Jesus does that fulfills us. And us Christians, we search high and low when the answer for our contentment is found right between our two ribs, rib cages. It's right in here. The kingdom of God is already within you. And so your peace is built in. Your salvation is built in. It says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not that you work for it, but it, that you work it out because when you receive Jesus, salvation came in. Freedom from the things of this world. Freedom in every regard is in there. 
but you've got to work it out. And that's a process called sanctification. And it's a process. Psalms 107.9 says, For he satisfieth the longing soul, and he filleth the hungry soul with goodness. He fills our soul. He's what satisfies us. Did you ever see those Snickers commercials been coming on? And there's some guy's out of place, and he's not doing what he normally does. And they say, you're not the same when you're hungry. And they give him a Snickers bar. He takes a bite, and all of a sudden he changes back into the person he's supposed to be. See, when you're hungry for the things of God and you're not fulfilled, you're not the person you're supposed to be. You need to take a bite of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life. Take a bite. And then you can become who he called you to be. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from, from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Every good thing that you need is in God. You're not going to find it at the casino. You're not going to find it at Walmart, as much as we love Walmart. We certainly don't like... I'm not going to say that. Target. No. <coughs> Yeah, they are high. Second Peter 1 3 says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Man, he called us to himself and he's given us everything we need. The, the, the question is. Is that we believe it? Second Corinthians one twenty says, "All the promises of God are yes and amen." He says yes, and we say amen, and they're all in Christ Jesus. You know, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. Everything you need is in Jesus, and we're looking in all the wrong places. Why do we worry? We just need to put our faith in an unshakable God. Do, do we not believe the promises? I, you know, I know a fellow, he tells me all the time, he says, man, God won't let me fall. You know, every time I'm, I can't pay my bills and I don't know what I'm going to do, God rescues me. God always rescues me. And that's where his faith lies. And <laughs> he lives his life working his fingers to the bone trying to do everything himself. And then, then he finds he can't pay the bills or whatever, and then God rescues him. God does exactly what his faith demands. I was like, why don't you own the front end? Why don't you start believing God to prosper you? Why don't you start believing God for you to be in health as your soul prospers? Why don't you start believing some of the other scriptures instead of God just keeps me from falling off the cliff? Right? And he gets exactly what he puts his faith into. What if we learn to trust God for every need? I wrote this, God will take care of what you put in his hands. But things you take care of yourself... He backs away from. Man, if you're intent on carrying the load, toting that burden, he'll let you do it. But why do we? Well, we can cast our cares on him, believe him for everything, and watch the shirts appear. <laughs> why despair when Jesus has given us his hope as our anchor? Why stress 
when you can have the peace that passes all understanding? Why mope around when you can have the joy unspeakable and full of glory? Psalms 16, 11 says, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Listen, that's what, we're, what he's trying to do tonight. He's trying to show you the path of life right now. See, some of you are probably saying, well, I, I know all that stuff. I've done all that stuff. But what are you doing now? Because you understand that the kingdom of God is a now. Now faith is. It's a now. What have you done for me lately? I think Janet Jackson said that in, in Second Peter. I mean, where are you now? It's okay that you used to raise your hand and worship. It's okay that you used to weep and cry and get before the Lord. But what? Somebody said, I did that 20 years ago. But what are you doing now? Some of you did it 20 days ago, but you hadn't done it lately. What are you drawing on? What are you pulling on? What are you filling that hole with? It's not, it's, it has to be an ongoing thing, you understand. This life has a, you know, it moves forward. It's, it's hours, days, months. And we have to live it day by day, moment by moment. Why search the world for the treasure that's already within you? We're looking in all the wrong places. That's how you lived before you said you believed. Do you believe? Because I examine myself quite often, and I say I believe a lot of stuff. I can get up here and preach a lot of stuff. I know the principles, but when it comes time to apply them in my life, why don't I? Is it that I don't believe that God really will? Remember the leper that came to Jesus and said, If thou will, thou can make me clean? I don't believe that God will. We, everybody knows he can. Why, why are we hesitant to live out what we say we believe? We're all hypocrites to some degree. I'm sorry to let you know that, but I'm a hypocrite to a lot of degree. I can preach it and still not live it. And so if I can do that, I know anybody can do that because I'm trying my best. <laughs> and I still, I, I, don't, I don't do what I'm supposed to do sometimes. I say I believe it, but I don't practice it. And so we said we believe. Now let's live like we do. Let's move towards putting into practice real Christianity. Are you tired? Of well, I feel like one of those beating on the pulpit moments I used to have back in the youth. Because I get, I get fed up with myself, you know. I'm, I get tired of saying I believe and not getting results. I get tired of not believing when I should believe. I get tired of this form of Christianity but not denying the power thereof. And sometimes God allows you to, to get passionate like we talked about. So that you stir yourself back up, not just stay in that funk. Stay in that place of lukewarm. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to live a non-passionate life. Man, I want to live like it counts. Like what I do here today is going to matter throughout all eternity. Because that's what the Bible tells me. 
that every idle word that I speak I'll be held accountable for. And that there are great rewards awaiting me in heaven. And we'll be judged according to our works, even the Christian. Man, I have to stir myself up. And we all do. There's a song that Helen L. No, Helen H. Lemuel wrote back in 1922. It's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I bet most of you know it. But I like the words. It says, O oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his per perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The things of this earth need to be growing strangely dim to us as Christians. If they're growing brighter to you and the things of God are growing dimmer, then we've got an issue. Our flesh hungers and thirsts, we go to the fridge. Our soul hungers and thirsts, we need to go to Jesus. He's the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never hunger, never thirst. When we're we could suffocate without oxygen, right? Well, it was, G it, was, it was God in the garden that made us out of the, that dust of the earth, and he breathed life into us, and it's him that sustains us. Here's what we long for. We long, as people, we long for intimacy. We want to be known, and we want to know. We, will, we long for love. We long to, to be able to give it without abandon, with, without, without holding back, and we long to get it that way. We long for truth. We don't want to live a lie. We long for a destiny in this world, a purpose. And we long to belong. And our very souls are driven to find God. Your soul is, is driven to find God. But we, but we get misdirected. We were created for a relationship with him. You know what? I was, I was lost before Jesus found me. And now that I'm found, I wander off and I get lost again. And I have to find my way back. Because even now that I'm saved, even that he's within me, if my brain is where I'm living and I'm outside somewhere of the things of God, I'm lost just like I was before. I can make the same stupid mistakes as a Christian as I made before I was a Christian. And I'm not living the benefits of the, the salvation, the perfect Zoe life that God created me to be. I wrote this, the created will never please the creator unless he fulfills his purpose. Let me say that slower, slower. The, the created, that's us, will never please the creator unless he fulfills his purpose. We understand that. Then I wrote this and vice versa. So let's look at it backward. The creator will never please the created 
unless he fulfills his purpose. We'll never be satisfied with God if we're not fulfilling our purpose. Just like God's not satisfied with us. We won't be satisfied with God if we're not fulfilling our purpose. So what should we be about? Turn to John 4. Story of the woman at the well. I'm running behind, so I'm going to preach fast. We know the woman at the well. She came at noonday, about 12 o'clock. It said the sixth hour, that's, that's noon, according to the Jewish calendar and the clock or whatever. She probably had sweat running down her. She's carrying these big, heavy water pots, and she's probably none too happy to have to take this long walk in the middle of the day just to get a drink of water. Probably bring some back for whoever her boyfriend is living in the house with her. She's a little racist. First thing she talks to Jesus is about is the Jews and the Samaritans have no dealings, and she's labeling people, and she's putting people in groups, profiling. She's skeptical. She's confrontational. She's sarcastic, and all she wants to do is talk religion. Sounds like a lot of Christians I know. Skeptical, confrontational, sarcastic, and they want to talk religion. She's had five husbands. So she's been down that path trying to fulfill herself. And now she's, she's basically given up on trying to live right. She's, not, she's, she's just living with a guy now in open rebellion to God. She's just get, and back in those days, you know, according to our culture, that's, that's accepted. Oh, you, you ought to live with them before you get married. Well, it may be accepted in our culture, but listen, it ain't never been accepted with God. But back them days, they knew it. And if this woman was living with somebody outside of marriage, man, she'd just pretty much thrown up her arms and said, I can't make it to heaven. I, I'm, I'm never, I just give up. I mean, that's basically what that signifies. So what did Jesus say to this woman who has probably searched for this love in all the wrong places? She took every wrong path that she could take. What does Jesus say? Well, he asked her for something for her natural water. But then he turns around and offers her his living water because he wants to show her the difference. In John 14, thir uh, 4, 13, he says, Anyone who drinks this water shall become thirsty again, talking about her water. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Is there something bubbling on the inside of you? If something isn't bubbling on the inside of you, something isn't stirring you, then we got a problem again, Houston. Really. That eternal life, that water should be springing up in you. In fact, it should be coming out of you and flowing out everywhere. Where's Mary Ellen? Mary Ellen was telling me before the service about how she ministers to young people at her work. That's that living water. She, she, she bought somebody some clothes or something. She, I, mean, she tell, I hope you don't mind me sharing. She said, I'm never coming back. But no. But she, she's letting that living water. And I talked to all of, most of you that I know that you're out. And that's where you get your joy from, isn't it? Serving others. Anyway, Jesus asked her to go get her husband. It wasn't like he didn't know she wasn't married. He knew her darkest secrets, but he wanted to show her how her misdirected attempts to quench her inner thirst 
by natural methods had only made her worse off. He's trying to get her to this place where God's trying to get us tonight. He's trying to show her that trying to fill that God-shaped hole with natural things always leads to sin because your flesh will always lead to sin if you go down that path. It may start off innocently enough. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's not, there's no neutral in God. Don't just try to stay in neutral and say, well, I, this is good enough. It's not. You're either moving forward or you're sliding back. And then he explains to her the secret. Oprah thinks she's got the secret. She don't have the secret. The deepest truth of a contented life Jesus tells us in John 4.23. He says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship. When true worshipers will worship. The time is coming, and is indeed here now, when true worshipers will worship. Now I know it goes on to say something after that, but let's just stop here. The time is coming... And now is when true worshipers will worship. Goes on to say that they'll worship in spirit and truth. Worship the Father. And the Father's looking for those that worship Him that way. For God is the Spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. What does it mean, spirit and truth? It means that you've got to come from deep down inside because God's a Spirit. And he's put His Spirit on the inside of you. And it's not just a head thing. Oh, I just look cool when I lift my hands. Or, I, or you're thinking about what the neighbor's doing next to you. During worship, no, that means it's coming from a deep down place. And it's not just on Sunday morning, it's not just with music, it's how you live your life. It's coming, it's bubbling up out of you from the deepest depths of your humanity and the, and the godliness that he has put on, the salvation he's put on the inside of you is coming out. And it's the Spirit of God emanating from you to give him glory. And it's worshiping in truth because you know in whom you have believed you're not worshiping some Buddha. They may be worshiping harder than we are, and they're worshiping a lie. We know in who, who it is we worship. We need to be passionate again about who it is we worship because he gave all for me. He did everything for me. Well, the woman, she says, yeah, well, when the Messiah gets here, he'll tell, tell us all this. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. Wow. Then this beat-down wretch of a woman, she looks into the eyes of her creator. Wouldn't you like to have been there? The sustainer, the very sustainer of her existence, and the only source that could ever quench that dry and thirsty soul of hers, and she wonders, could it be? This is the Messiah? At the mere possibility, what does she do? She leaves her clay water pots. She just leaves them, and she runs off. To tell others, come see a man. And see, that's what's supposed to happen to us. When we gave our heart to Jesus, when we looked in his eyes and we said, yes, I, I receive you into my heart. And when his spirit came into our hearts, we were supposed to be so excited and so filled with purpose that we ran off to tell other people. We dropped those clay jars, the things of this world. We kicked them over. You want to know where that brown amp is right now? You know what I, do, what I did with it this week? Nothing. I ain't thought about that brown amp no more. I'm not after that elusive sound. I'm after the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I use the amp, fine. If I have $100 in my pocket, fine. If I ain't got a penny in my pocket, 
As for me and my house, we're going to worship and serve the Lord. I've got a different passion now. And it's burning brighter than it ever has. Psalm 63.1, and we'll close. But we're not going to leave yet. I'm going to beg your pardon. I went long. But I, I don't want to close uh, without doing something. Psalm 63.1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Is he your God? I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. Say that. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in a parched and weary land where there is no water. See, this world don't have the water that we need. I've seen you in the sanctuary, and I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, every day. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you at the night seasons, because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. And that's how I know, because you got me, Lord. You got me through it. You always come through for me. So tonight, if you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. All right. Is there anybody in here that, that's not sure of your salvation? Lift your hand. You want to make sure? Pretty much home folks here tonight. What I want to do, I've got a nine-minute song. Can anybody give us nine, give nine minutes to the Lord? Nine minutes of worship. I picked out a song. Look, there's, it's going to be a video. It's got no words on it. So don't look up there for words. You can watch the video if you want to, if it helps you get in. But I want you... Let's get back to that good old time worship. Because you see, when I first came to this uh, church under Pastor Buddy Adams, I remember maybe it was just because I was a new Christian and I was excited, but they would have bands or, or they would have worship time, and I would weep and cry, and I want to get back to where we're really worshiping the Lord again. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.